these, to take notes, uh, to contribute, to participate uh, in this, uh, because um, uh, what we are after is more than academic. We're not just trying to fill our heads with knowledge. We want to be able to see people touched and healed by the power of God. Can you say amen? And so we want to encourage you to come and believe God and uh, uh, testimonies. I just want to put a poll in again. If you have experienced a supernatural event, a miracle in your life, you, I asked you to uh, write that down and to turn that in. We've had a few, but a lot of people uh, that uh, uh, still need to do that, that uh, they need deliverance from procrastination and uh, you intend on doing it, you're planning on doing that, but uh, that would be very, very helpful to yourself and to others uh, in a way that you probably won't realize until you actually do it. Okay, having said that, we're going to uh, begin, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, healing the sick, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, whenever you get into certain spiritual topics, you're going to get a pushback. Uh, the three that stand out to me is one is you talk about speaking in tongues. You, you start contending for speaking in tongues. You tell people you speak in tongues. You're going to get a pushback. People are going to come. I, over the years, I've had people uh, that started coming to our church and then politely pull me aside and tell me that uh, they love the church and all of that. Uh, but if we would tone down the tongues, more people would come. And, and uh, but... I believe uh, that the reason I got saved is not because people didn't speak in tongues, but because they did. They brought God into the church that night, and that's why I got saved. Another area is the last days. If you believe in the rapture, you believe that Jesus Christ is coming, that time on earth is imminent, uh, the return of Christ is imminent, uh, you're going to find uh, people looking at you, that you're, you're a, 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 you know, a tinfoil person, you're a conspiracy freak. Uh, and on and on. And the third one is healing. When you believe God for healing, you're going to have people look at you and wonder what your angle is and think you're weird. And uh, these will always get a rise out of people. It's interesting that in China, uh, they claim to have religious liberty and they permit Christianity. But if you're going to have a Christian church, you have to register with the government you have to show them what you're going to preach. Uh, they come into your service and they f forbid three things. They forbid any teachings on uh, the return of Christ, on tongues, and on prayer for the sick. These three areas are uh, you're not allowed to minister on or preach on. And the reason why is all these, these three areas have to do with kingdom dominion. It has to do with bringing the kingdom of God down. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever you find people who contend in these three arenas, you are going to enter into uh, a conflict with the kingdom of this world. So the study that we're going to be looking at is the, the miracle of healing. And at the beginning, I want to say from the outset, so what we understand ourselves this morning, that I understand that not all healing is supernatural or miraculous. Okay. Uh, God gave man dominion. You, we're not going to study all this, but part of man's dominion was understanding nature. 
and understanding that God had sown into his creation all types of uh, 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 ways for the human body uh, to be healed. And uh, that is a blessing. In other words, I'm saying, thank God that we have some people who paid the price, learned some things, and when we're sick, we can get help. And you can say, well, I'm not taking antibiotics. I'm not, I don't need a cast. I don't need a splint. I, I mean, you can do that. But uh, doctors are not evil. And there are things that they can do. Uh, I remember years ago, I read a book on the, the building of the Panama Canal and how when they first went in there to try to build it, these, uh, they, these were the French had gone in and then taken all these people uh, from, the, uh, from Cuba and they were going to build this. And they began to die from yellow fever and malaria. And uh, the assumption was somehow the, the swamp and the humidity had, uh, was doing this. And uh, the, the, much of the book is about the brilliant doctors and scientists who began to figure out that it was the mosquito. You know, back in those days, they, would, they were trying to keep him from the ants. And so they would take him, when they were sick, they would take him to the hospital and they would put the, 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 uh, the foot of the, of the beds, the posts of the beds in water to keep the ants from getting on the bed. And the mosquitoes would thrive and everybody would get infected and die. And it was people who began to understand nature and began to figure this out and save many thousands of lives. And I could go on and on and on. So we're not anti-medicine. We're not anti uh, uh, that at all. And I don't want you to, to get that. But the purpose of this study is to build our faith that God can work miracles, that he can move supernaturally. And so we are not dismissing or discounting doctors or medicine or medication at all. But we are saying, though, that when we read the Bible, there is this dimension. And it would be a shame if we somehow lose this and lose an expectation for it. Because as we've been talking, we all need miracles. So this is uh, where we're headed. So uh, I want to begin with a story. I shared this story a, a while back, a couple of years ago with you uh, that was in Time Magazine of all places. It's the incredible story of Elizabeth Jernigan. You can put that up there, Tony. It says right here, the, the Elizabeth Jernigan was a baby that had a drooping eye. Her parents were Harvard lawyers. His grandfather was a world famous surgeon who recognized something was wrong when this child's eye began to droop. And it turned out that she had a rare malignant meningioma, which has killed everyone who ever had it. They began to pray. The grandfather said he prayed for the family to receive strength. He said, I did not have the faith to pray for healing of this known malignancy. Her condition grew worse. Uh, she swelled up with fluid. Uh, the eye swelled up with fluid and they drained it. But 12 hours later, when they went to do another tap, the doctor could barely find any fluid and it was totally clear. The doctor was baffled. Elizabeth was back home and two, two days later, as planned, they removed a section of the nerve that the cancer had invaded. When the tissue was examined, the pathologist could not find any cancer. Regular CAT scans since then have revealed no evidence of a tumor. The medical community calls what happened spontaneous resolution. The family call it a miracle. So here's a little girl who has a cancer that 100% of people die from it. 
And, uh, you know, these are Harvard lawyers. These are people who traffic in a, in a, in a, in a academic world. And all they can say is that God performed a miracle. All we're saying this morning is God still does miracles. And looking at God's word can help us and gain insight. So we're going to look at one verse this morning, Judges chapter 6, verse 13. Some of these things I mentioned in, a, in the sermon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and uh, I need a reader. Gilbert, why don't you uh, uh, read for us this morning, verse 13 of Judges chapter 6. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So we're going to talk about miracles this morning. And let's first of all talk about the supernatural. I'm going to give out some scriptures. If you want to read, lift your hand and I'll move over along this side. Uh, we have Romans 8, 25, Mike, and Eliza, Galatians 5, 5. Moving on up here, Robert, Philippians 3, 20. I need Hebrews 9, 28, Sam. And I need Genesis 1, 31, Doris and Carlos, Joshua 10, 12 through 14. Uh, let's see here. I need Jonah 1, verse 17, Jonah 1, verse 17, Richard, Chris, if you could get Mark 1, 33 and 34, and I need one more, Bethel Acts uh, 10, 38. So let's begin, and let's talk about the supernatural this morning. And so uh, let's be honest, amen, we're going to get somewhere today. One of the challenges that you and I have sometimes is uh, the difference between what we read in the Bible and what we experience in real life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the, the, the truth is that a lot of times we will read things and we will, we'll, we'll be amazed at them and we'll close the Bible and that it seems like, how come none of this happens in my, to me or happens in my life? That's, after all, what uh, he's saying here, isn't he? He's saying there's the stories, but then there's our experience. Where are all the miracles? And so in the word of God, we are told again and again that this is going to be part of the reality of the Christian life. This is not that the Bible's like, well, the Bible, you know, is, uh, uh, isn't true and these things don't ever happen. We are told over and over again that as we live in this fallen world, we realize that we are also dealing with a faith that says, I may not be experiencing it all, but I know that it's there, and I know that it's coming. So let's look at these scriptures. Romans 8.25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We hope for what we do not see. I've been a Christian now for 40 years. I want to tell you there are some things I still haven't seen, but I believe I'm going to see. That the Christian life says that we, you and I are to persevere. I want to preach about that tonight, that we have to persevere. And so it's like, well, what's wrong? How come nothing's happening? You know, the Bible says that the Christian life is that uh, I believe God and I believe his promises. And even when I haven't seen him, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop believing. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 5. 
But we who live by the Spirit eagerly, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to okay, us. The Bible says we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. How many people here are still waiting on some promises from God? We are waiting for the hope of righteousness. You know, in the larger picture in Galatians, he's actually uh, dealing with them about legalism and their desire through legalistic practices to feel righteous. He says, ah, listen, that's not the Christian life. Christian life is not about legalism. Christian life is faith that, you know what, I know that one day God is, I'm going to be completely right. And that righteousness isn't going to be achieved by what I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so you and I, part of our faith is you say, okay, I'm not, I don't necessarily have it all, but I eagerly wait for that. And I have confidence that's what's going to happen. Philippians 3.20. Check. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Here we are living on this world, but uh, we are illegal aliens in this world. Amen. We are, our citizenship is in heaven. Okay. And so we are eagerly waiting for that. That, okay, here's my present experience. Anybody here deal with their flesh still around here? Ever have to haul around this broken body of ours? Have to deal with life? But the Christian says, okay, yeah, that's true. But I'm waiting for heaven. And I can, I can, I can, in other words, I, I can, um, I can have a faith that says, you know what? When somebody says, well, well, you're a Christian, but how come you go through this? And how come you're battling that? And how come this doesn't happen? They, they think that we're going to collapse and crumble. You're right. You're right. God's not real. But it's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting. This, there's still plenty of God's promises, but I'm waiting for it. And I know I'm going to receive them. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. For those who eagerly wait for him. For those who eagerly wait for him. Who understand, you know what, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to continue to believe for God's promises. He comes for those who eagerly wait for him. I mean, really, what is our option? Our option is to not wait for him. To not say, well, I'm not going to ask God for any more miracles. Because he hasn't done it yet, that's, I'm done. I'm not going to believe God for any healings. I'm not going to believe God for anything because he hasn't done it. The Bible says he comes for those who eagerly wait for him, who have reconciled in their faith. Just because there are needs that I haven't, or things that I haven't seen, I'm not going to trust God anymore. That the Christian life is, no, oh, absolutely this is part of my life, but it doesn't matter. I'm still believing and I'm still looking for this. This is especially true in the arena of miracles because you cannot read the Bible and particularly the gospels without being confronted with the miraculous. It is everywhere in the New Testament. Now a definition, we'll put up the definition here, an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature and so is held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. That's the definition of a miracle. And that is what we are considering this morning or in this Sunday school. It is right here, the inexplicable, something that goes beyond the laws of nature, something that is supernatural. Now, 
Uh, okay, let me stop right here. We're talking about the reality in our faith between our present experience and what we know God's word says. And that you and I as believers must reconcile that without making that, make, uh, allowing us to become filled with unbelief. So I'm going to stop right here and see if anybody here has some comments or insights and maybe their own Christian life where you said, okay, I'm battling between my experience and what God's word says. All right, Doris, Barb. Okay, Doris, go ahead. So, um, yeah, so obviously, you know, um, I don't know what, what's going to happen in my future and everything, but I'm like, um, I was telling people when I go to my doctor on, on the 17th and I get my CT and MRI on the 15th, um, I, I told you, I was like, I'm believing that my surgeon is going to be the first doctor in our church because I've been a testimony to him since 2011 and he knows, and no matter what, it's like, he's, I know Doris, I know, I don't know how you do it, you know, and so because of my faith and that ha I have to speak that real to, to him and to all the other residents that I'm there. Like I'm believing God, you know, when I get, you know, I got bad news. I'm like, I didn't expect it, you know, like a punch in the stomach, you know, and so, but I'm still pushing on and I'm like, I'm going to put a flyer in an envelope um, the one with the missing little piece of the puzzle. And I'm going to put it on, on there. This is a miracle from God. And that God healed me and God is good. And, you know, and I'm going to put it in an envelope. And when I see him on the 17th, and he's like going to look at my results. And I'm like, where's Doris's results? You know, Wait a minute. There's no spots here. Yes. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to can that to him. That's what I'm believing. I got prayed for and I'm believing and, and stuff. And so that's God. It's a miracle of God. And I'm going to believe God to touch him. But at the same token, the part of me is like, I push it and no matter what, I push on because I just want to be a, a vessel of honor to God. I don't know, I know that God is using my life to touch so many other people. You know, like when I was on Paso, people were like, you're such an inspiration. And I'm like, what? And like, you know, I'm just me, you know, I'm just like waiting on the, the news to go to the next thing. But I don't want anything to stop me, yes. you know. And because if you do, then you just roll over in a, in a corner and die yes. and stuff. And so that's what I, you press in. It's like there's always hope. There's always hope. Don't, like the old saying, don't put your hands to the plow and, uh, you know, take them off and look back, yes, you know, and stuff. And so to me, you know, uh, I had a, yesterday we had a... Um, they call it a support group for upper extremities. And this, the lady that's in charge, she told um, one of the girls that just lost some fingers in a, an accident. And here I am, I'm like the extreme, like Doris is the extreme, because I'm the one that's like, you know, hey. And she told her, it's okay. It's okay to go into a, you know, your room for 45 minutes or an hour and have a pity party. It's okay. And I'm, my sister Ronnie and I are there, and I'm like, no, it's not. I'm, you know, I didn't say it to her, but I want to say it to her. I was like, that's not, because you don't ever know if that person's going to come out of that pity party. Yeah. You know, so you're putting them in and say, it's okay to go to a dark place. And it's like, no, that's what the devil wants you. And so you have to press on and press on. And this young man that he was born without an arm, like, like me. And this young kid is doing so much. And he's, he's like, a, he's the, his mom said he's like a magnet, girl magnet. You know, a good looking young man. He's smart. And I told him, I said, Joel, you are going to go so far in life. I'm like, because he has such a good attitude versus this other guy, Danny, that's just sitting there. He got a car accident, lost his arm and everything. Yeah. And it's like, so it's an issue of what are you going to do? And you have to believe God for that miracle continually, continually. But I always say, I read the end of the book. I win. It doesn't matter what happens. And that's what people have to look at. You know, people uh, will look at, um, you know, and that's the thing. People are inspired by someone who still believes and, uh, and decides, hey, I'm going to serve God uh, no matter what. And eagerly wait for him. There's a, there's a powerful testimony in that versus walking around like God lets you down. 
and God disappointed you. Barb? Years ago, um, I was in a group of people, probably 12 or 15, and um, one of the ladies was really quiet, and so I had asked her, you know, hey, is everything okay? You know how it is when you're in a, especially women, you're in a group of women, most people are talking, and so she was really quiet. She said her daughter had been diagnosed with some disease in her eye and she was going to lose, she was going blind and she was five years old, no, four years old. She was four years old and her mom was devastated. She's, she's like only got 20% vision in that eye. So I, I, I was quiet for a second because I really didn't know how to respond to that. But the girl across from her, Lisa, said, you know what, you're talking to the right person because she has, a, she has a, a phone line to God and she'll pray and God will heal her. Well, I didn't have that faith. I, I was like shocked. And so everybody looks at me. I didn't know what to do. So I just said to her, well, do you believe that God can heal your daughter? And she said, I guess. And I said, well, let's pray. I said, when you go home, this is what you do. You put your hands on your daughter's eye. Pray this prayer. We're going to pray right now. Now, I'm in a whole group of people who have, like, absolutely zero Christianity. And so we pray. Um, long story short, she does go home. She does that. Goes back to the doctor. No problem. She has 100% eyesight. No problem. I'm sitting there freaking out because I did not have the faith that this, but I, I was put on the spot. And I'm like, God, you just, I'm, like, putting you on the spot here. Okay, so now I'm going to go to reality today. Patricia is um, the oldest of three inherited kids we have from a will. Um, she has terminal leukemia. The doctors say there is absolutely zero hope for her. She has been in the hospital now for one month. Tuesday will be one month. She has no white blood cells. Her liver's failing. Every day I get another report. Now she's still alive. She shouldn't be alive. She should have been dead four weeks ago. But every day there's something else. These five infections, this one's gone. She has pneumonia, now she doesn't. She has white blood cells, now she doesn't. They were up to 400, now they're done zero. Um, this infection in this place, they have to move. It's back and forth. And I'm believing God for her um, because during this time she's gotten saved. And so she can't speak. She's got a tube down her. But she tries to write things. And um, I don't know how, my question is, I'm, I'm in this, this dilemma. Like, I see God move, and then I see the reversal. And it's as if you are on the 50-yard line, and you make a 5-yard gain and a 10-yard setback. And then there's a 15-yard gain and a 5-yard setback. And I feel like I'm playing this game with the devil. Like, let go of her, or God take her home. But this back-and-forth thing is starting to eat at us. I don't know what to say or where to go or what to pray to break through this stalemate, like being in a trench in this like spiritual warfare where you're in a trench. I don't know how to get out of that trench and go I, forward. I, I tell you what, we are going to go into that topic here in a few weeks about that. But uh, the answer I'd give today is that on this side, we fight. On this side, we fight. Okay, one day we cross over and and all is well. No more pain, no more tears. But on, on this side, there are pain and there are tears. We fight. And that should be our attitude and, and not to succumb. In the end, we win anyway. We're, you know, as Christians, we are like the French resistance. When the Nazis went into France, the, uh, they, the, the French formed a resistance and they undermined. They, all they, what, all they did, they blew up bridges, 
They knocked off some Nazi officers. They, did a few, they just made it hard on the existing kingdom. That's what we're doing here. Okay, we already know the Bible. We're here to blow up bridges and knock off a few officers and do, do some damage. But we fight and fight and fight until the person goes and the good thing is we believe, we know there's a resurrection. What we don't want is to get ahead of ourselves and say, well, there's a resurrection, so just go ahead and die. Somehow that's not the posture of a Christian. You know, everyone Jesus prayed for and got healed ended up dying. So that's, that's, that's life. But with our call is to fight, to eagerly wait and, and believe God and not resign ourselves to any, anything else. Very good. Okay, uh, all right, I see a hand. Tony, is that you back there? Um, when I had first gotten saved, I don't know if you remember, but I came in, uh, it was probably a year after I had gotten saved that I started kind of coming into church with crutches. And what happened was I was playing tennis and a large piece of cartilage fell out of my, my knee and I couldn't play tennis any longer. They had to take it out, they had to carve it out and then give me a, a donor bone in order to continue functioning and stuff. And I was, uh, you know, I was thinking like, I'm, I'm super young and like I'm already having knee problems, like this is crazy. And one thing that kind of went through my head was like, I, I started to get this fear like, okay, this, because he said that he just pressed it in with his thumb, he didn't put any glue didn't do anything like that. Like, it, it was like, it's going to fall out at any second. That's how I felt. And so I was just walking around all cautiously, kind of like step in, you know, very, you know, very frugally. And I remember when Patrick came up to me and he was like, hey, so you want to go play volleyball with us? And I was like, no, like my knee's going to pop. Like something's going to happen and, you know, I'm going to be back in surgery. And then he was like, okay, you want to go play basketball? And I'm like, no, like I'm not going to play basketball. That's crazy. And then he just finally told me, he was like, Tony, you've been healed. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? Like, I mean, yeah, the doctor fixed me, but he said he just put, and he's like, no, you've been healed. Like, you, you, can play, you can play basketball. Like, you can play tennis. And even though the doctor said, no, you can't play tennis, you can't play basketball, you can't do any of that for two years, it was probably a couple months later that I actually started, like, jumping back on the tennis court and in faith just started kind of, like, living my life out. And... I mean, to this day, like, I haven't had any issues, and it was recently, I skipped my doctor's appointment for a good another two years, and I finally went back to my doctor, and he was like, hey, you know, you're still alive, that's crazy, and uh, I did, yeah, I did my x-ray with him, and he, uh, he said that everything was perfect, that, you know, what I thought that it was going to pop out was completely wrong, that it was stuck there forever, and I wasn't going to have any issues going forward, it was a, it was a perfect surgery, so. Hallelujah. Didn't you, didn't you? Didn't you, that happened to you at the, when you're coming down the altar? Yes, uh, yeah. yeah um, Doris wondered why my knee buckled, and that was because my cartilage fell out when I came out to the altar. Right, okay. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have asked you that in front of everybody right there. <laughs> so the Bible is full of supernatural acts. You cannot read the Bible without this reality, and, and the fact that we're confronted with it, we're not supposed to shut it away. Like, no, no, this is who God is. Let's just move through a couple of them. Genesis 131. Anybody got that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God created the earth in six days. Amen. I believe that. 
six 24-hour days. Some of you are, you know, you're having a hard time with that. Why? Because it's supernatural. So we sit down with somebody and you, you believe in evolution and you, you believe God created the world in six days. And, 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 you know, yeah, and then they just look at you like you're, you're strange, you're just stupid, you're ignorant, you, you know, and, 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 and for that, why? Because you, you, what you're really saying is I believe that it was supernatural. It was, it, yeah, it's supernatural. It defies the laws of physics. And, and, and so here we, immediately from there, it's like if, if something doesn't make sense to you, then it can't be real. And we, we live bound by this. And so people, well, you know, a day could be, you know, a thousand, it used to be a, a thousand years. Now it's like a day is 50 billion years as, as, they're, as they're trying to, and, and we get so intimidated to just say, well, that's what, that's what yeah, I believe that. You, in, in, you, do you, what I'm trying to point out, do you see the culture we're living in is making us afraid to believe in miracles? Afraid to believe in the supernatural? Every time, mark my words, whenever there's a, uh, you know, this year or the, the, this coming election cycle, you know, Donald Trump's going to represent the Republicans. But when last time, four years ago, you know, you had all these people running. It, it, you can be sure somebody's going to get up in a debate and ask them, do you believe in evolution? They, they, they put it to them because, uh, because it, for them to say no, it's like the eyes roll. Here we go again, another religious kook. Because you believe in miracles. Joshua 10, 12 through 14. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gideon, and moon in the valley of Elon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. How many believe that verse is true? That God, that God did it. Now, you can run up to me afterwards and say, well, if that's true, then calculations and the earth you know, would have been thrown off of its uh, yeah, rotation and there would have been whatever. If he can make the earth in six days, then he can stop it for 24 hours. But it's supernatural. Okay? It divides the laws of physics. And uh, the problem is when you start saying, well, okay, that's figurative or that was just lore that was passed on and on and on. You, you, it won't be long before you get to God can't heal. He can't heal. Jonah 1 verse 17. Guess what this verse is. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. How many believe that's true? Okay. William Jennings Bryan is uh, famous for being the prosecutor in the Scopes a monkey trial when um, a teacher by the name of Scopes tried to teach evolution. I think it was down in Tennessee and Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryan, uh, you know, were the two high-powered national lawyers that went over there. Bryan to defend the creation story and Clarence Darrow to defend evolution. And Clarence Darrow actually put William Jennings Bryan on the stand and started questioning him 
about the Bible and miracles. Uh, and, uh, and then as he's answering all these questions, he turned around and he said, do you believe that Jonah swallowed the fish or Jonah swallowed the whale? And Daryl's, you know, James Bryan had been saying yes. And then he just stopped, paused and said, no. But if the Bible said he did, then I'd believe it. You know, these stories, either they're true or they're not. Either they're true or they're just simply children's fairy tales, Sunday school stories that we just pass on and we condition ourselves that anything that is supernatural, eh, I don't know if I can believe that. Gilbert? When you talk about the time when God stopped the sun for Joshua, I'm a big science, I mean, uh, space type Nassau guy from way, way back. And I remember when they were putting up the Hubble telescope, they had all these scientists from around the country trying to get everything together. And they could not make all the computers gel at the same time. They were having a great difficulty. And the launch day was coming closer and closer. And so on that team was a Christian man. And he said, well, you know what? In the book of Joshua, the God held back the, the sun for a while. So they all eager, they looked it up, they saw the time that was there, calculated it, they put it into the computers, and they came closer to being perfect. And so they said, is there another place anywhere else? And he said, yeah, of course, the king was going to die, and they put the thing back. So they got that time, put it into it, and it was perfect. They were able to launch on time without any problem. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that story before. And, uh, uh, you know, supernatural miracles are never going to add up. Somebody, uh, if, I don't know if you, anybody knows that you pay your tithes, but you found out that 90% goes farther than 100%. Yep. It doesn't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't care if you get it. This, all that matters is that I get it. And, uh, you know, people are going to, you know, we pray for people and, you know, well, spirit, someone's sick, a spirit. Look on a microscope, bro. There are germs there, you know, and it's not caused by, you know, and, and one of, all I know is we pray. Pastor Mitchell said he prayed for a woman last week and the leg shot out. Well, did the bone grow? You know, I don't know. But we're praying. The danger, of course, is if we can't explain it all, then, well, we can't believe it. And we can't understand it. Mark 1, 33 and 34. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. That's our, that's our favorite verse in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. That's the ministry of Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. That, that is what should happen wherever Jesus shows up. Where you move into this spiritual arena. You know, you meet people all the time who claim the, uh, uh, you know, well, I believe in the teachings of Jesus. And, and, and we'll, we'll do that. But this, what about all this stuff? What about this side of Jesus' ministry? Praying for people, demonic manifestations, deliverance, and, and moving in this spiritual realm. Uh, and it's almost like it's omitted. I mentioned the other day that Thomas Jefferson's Bible, where he went to the New Testament, took out a razor, and cut out 
every miracle, every supernatural part of Jesus' ministry and left behind only his teachings. And uh, to the humanists, you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's really cool. That's so thoughtful and, and you know, and, and everything else. Uh, what a tragedy to somehow omit this part of who Jesus is. How dishonest to try to uh, present a Jesus who doesn't do this, who doesn't go to the common man who has all kinds of problems and bring the kingdom of God down and deliver him, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is who Jesus was, and this is who he is. He traffics in the spiritual arena and contends at first supernatural miracles. And this is what you and I are saying, okay, this, this is the, what the gospel is. We're not denying it. We're not running from it. Even if it's not our experience right now, this is what we eagerly wait for. This is what every one of us look to do. I, I think all of us would be in agreement. Oh yeah, Pastor Ruby, I'd love that. I don't not want that. But it starts with saying, this is who God is. And I'm going to stand on his promises. Let me give you the quote. I, I read it the other day, uh, but I want to uh, maybe take a little more time. And I want you to think about this. This is, comes from John Sponge, the, the uh, uh, bishop who uh, uh, has become well known for being a, quote, Christian man who debunks miracles. To me, that sounds like an oxymoron. I'm a Christian, and my job is to debunk the miracles of the Bible and to explain them away so that we can remove the supernatural element because it doesn't appeal to a human pride. And, uh, and, and so uh, uh, go ahead and put this up. He says there are, a lot of, there are a whole lot of literal concepts out of the Bible that have long ago been abandoned. I'd like to think Christianity is something that would appeal to people who are also well-educated and who are modern people. The modern skeptics analyze scripture through the lenses of science, politics, and literature. The rationalists study the medical impact of crucifixion and suggest perhaps it induced a deep coma from which Jesus might have revived. They search for evidence of volcanic eruption that could have caused the Red Sea to part. Perhaps a comet swept across the Bethlehem skies, disguised as the star in the east. So who thinks this way as a Christian that reads these stories in the Bible and then stops and says, there's got to be a rational explanation for this. This has to make sense. If Jesus stood up in the middle of a terrible storm and rebuked the wind and the sea and it immediately stopped, then uh, what happened? Well, Jesus probably had a smartphone and had an app that shows satellite uh, and knew exactly what time uh, the storm. And so, you know, but it's got, there's got to be a rational explanation for this stuff. Instead of saying, wait, no. There is a God who is still involved in human affairs and who can still transcend the laws of his own creation, if he so chooses. Uh, Pastor Martinez, anybody else want to put up a couple of hands? Pastor Martinez, I see Kim over here, one more. Anybody, we got a third hand here. Okay, go ahead. 
you know, the, the problem today is a lot of these new philosophers, like one, Jordan Peterson is one of them. He's a, a big, you know, he takes the book of Genesis all the way to the New Testament, the kingdom of God. And what he does, he's very, it's the same as this, this bishop. What they'll do is they'll take the very philosophical of Jesus' teachings, but they totally cut out all the spiritual dimensions. And that's why he's so dangerous, because he's so popular he may say good things, but he ain't saved and he's not a Christian. He doesn't even go to church. He doesn't believe in that. And that's the problem is that you can take all the philosophical from Jesus. You become almost like, like this bishop. But if you take out the supernatural part of it, it's not Christianity. It's actually it's driven by a demon, in my opinion. Yes, amen. Very good. I like Sunday school because you get to segue every once in a while. Yeah, a few months ago, everybody's telling me to read Jordan Peterson and on and on. And, and I started reading it, and he has some interesting things to say. But when he starts getting into the Bible, he makes it known from the start he's not a Christian. And then he starts deconstructing the Bible, and it's like, this is crazy. This guy doesn't even believe in God. And he's going to tell us about the Bible. Anyway, I don't recommend him. So, um, uh, you know, we need a supernatural dimension and we need this part of who the gospel is. And uh, what we're talking about, we deal with the supernaturals. We're talking about an onslaught that is working in people to say, you know what, to be accepted and respected, then I, I, people can't know that I believe in this. That I can't believe in the miracles. I can't, I can't do that. That somehow that's going to make me somehow uh, to be a uh, suspect because I believe in that. Uh, Kim? Um, you were saying in uh, that, that last quote, he talked about the modern skeptic and, and what was running through my mind is, is uh, you said, you know, how long before you just don't believe in miracles? Well, there's such a parallel because if you're not gonna believe in the supernatural of physical miracles, healing, then why would you choose to believe in supernatural dis salvation? You know, and it's something that it's like, I don't know, it just touches a nerve. It's like, no, then if that's the case, if there's no such things as miracles, then how is it that you can see people that have been saved? You can see somebody completely delivered, and yet that whole mindset says, no, I can't. I can't, no. Um, you know, just coming out of being in El Paso, Pastor Mitchell preached this sermon on, um, on the mind, and he talked about the human will and how it's, it's not something where you can say, no, I, I can't. I can't, no, it's, it's your will, and it's, it's something that you're choosing, and it's... it's it just, it's a, such a parallel with miracles. No, I, I don't believe in miracles. Well, then how can you look at all the people like, you know, just in our church or in, you know, in my own life or whoever and say, well, that's not real. No, it, it's supernatural salvation, much less healing, and you're going to either believe it or, or you're not. Man, you know, uh, let's talk about the missing element here as we uh, get ready to finish up here because when we look at the missing element, we realize something that, if, uh, as Kim just said, if we don't believe in miracles, then we're, we're missing something that goes way beyond the miracle. It's, we're shutting off the reality of God being brought to bear in the human condition. If all this is is just a mental exercise, but uh, we've closed the door to the supernatural, then what are we left with? When uh, Yolanda and I first got sent out back in 1983, we went to Las Vegas, New Mexico. This is the... Uh, the small town in northern New Mexico, 14,000, and the number one employer in the city was the state mental institution. It was a 
it was the biggest employer, had a big presence in that city. And uh, we probably had four or five people in our church that worked there. And so they finally, they got me in to minister in the forensic unit, which was a criminally insane unit. And I was starting to go in there and I remember where I'd go in and you would have to walk past all these doors and they'd lock you in. And, and you're sitting down in a room with 12 criminally, the state of New Mexico is determined are criminally insane. A couple social workers. And, and I was holding Bible studies there and I was trying to cast out demons and, and doing all kinds of things. And then I got called on the carpet to a meeting and the meeting was with the, the head chaplain, a, a Filipino a Catholic priest named Father Corpus and then the Protestant chaplain, uh, which was an older man from one of the mainline churches in the city, small town. I'm there, I'm thinking, I'm probably 21 years old and they're dropping the hammer on me because I've been causing a disruption in, among these guys because I've been trying to cast the devils out of them and, and uh, having, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, they were telling me, you know, that one, I had no education or background. And, and uh, these men need help from trained, uh, you know, professionals. And, you know, I, in my uh, naivete, I remember saying to them, well, what about uh, the Gadron demoniac in Mark 5? He would have been in the criminally insane unit. And Jesus set him free. And this, I remember this uh, older uh, chaplain, the, the, the Protestant chaplain, you know, young man, God doesn't do things like that anymore. Well, yes, he does still do these things. Can you say amen? And, and yet this was, this was the world, these men, and, and they're the ones that are being paid for the spiritual care of these people, but that's exactly what they think. Let's take away the supernatural dimension and let's try to treat the Gadarene with all of our own limitations. Remember what the Bible says about the Gadarene demoniac? They chained him, but even the chains couldn't hold him. That was the best they could do for somebody in that condition, and it didn't work. And yet when we tried to bring the kingdom of God in, here were the religious community, and, and it's like God doesn't do that anymore. Put up the quote here. It says uh, by Dr. Carl Bates, it says, if God called his Holy Spirit out of the world, about 95% of what we are doing would go on, and we would brag about it. That's from a Baptist convention. This is all human con uh, construct. There's no need for that. Everything would just go on. The church that began with the supernatural still depends on the supernatural. Galatians 3, 5. Did I give that out? Go ahead and let somebody with a microphone read that out loud. I got you. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? The church that began with the supernatural must depend still on the supernatural. Why is it that we can read the book of Acts and all that happened, the, the Pentecost, and yet get to a point where people think well, we don't need Pentecost anymore. We don't need this supernatural element of who God is. This is necessary. 
All right, now what I want to do here before I, I'm do two things every time we, we meet in this Sunday school. The first one is I want to interview somebody who had experienced a personal miracle in their own life. That's why I'm asking for your testimonies. Uh, this way you have a chance to think through how it happens. And uh, then when I ask you about it, you don't, you know, you know, when people problem with testimonies, if you don't write them down and think them through, you wander all over. And next thing we're hearing about your aunt's Volkswagen van and uh, <laughs> instead of just lock into the story. And so this morning we're going to have a testimony. And uh, when I was starting to uh, work on this Sunday school and I was telling Pastor Gamboa and I told him I was going to ask for this. And he told me, I have a, I have a testimony. And so, uh, 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 Pastor Gambo, would you stand? He's standing there in the back. And uh, would you just give us the testimony of that God uh, did for you? When it came sure. Uh, when I was about 18, it was 18 and 19, I had broken uh, my arm and my leg successively in those two years. And they both got healed in a conference. Um, I came to the conference, and it was Friday night. Pastor Mitchell was praying for the sick both years. And the first one was my arm getting healed. Uh, but the more dramatic one was my leg. I came in in a cast. I had broken my ankle and the top bone that connected to it. I was working at the time. And, uh, How did it was, you injure it? Was, I'm sorry? How did you injure it? Uh, at work. It was actually at work. I had fallen and I had actually twisted it and I fell so hard on it, it actually cracked. And there was a fracture. And so they put a full-on cast. It wasn't an air cast or, or it, was, it was one of those old-style casts where they, they wrapped it and... And as I was actually uh, coming to the church uh, that Friday night, he asked for people to come up and if, if uh, you need healing. And I remember thinking about my arm, but the thing about when I, my arm got healed, it was, or, it was almost toward the last part of, of it being in the cast. So I'd already had it the year before. This break happened almost two weeks before the conference. So this was not something that had, I had already been with. It was pretty new so I had six to eight more weeks in the cast and I remember going up there and he prayed for me and when he prayed for me you could feel I could feel this hot sensation touching my leg and uh, it, the, the truth is is that I was supposed to have crutches because it hurt when I walked on it it hurt terribly and uh, they had given me pain medicine just to try to help it and so when I was up there and I felt that heat I remember, you know, stomping on the, on the actual platform, and, and I didn't feel anything. And I began to stomp harder and harder, and he told me to stop before I broke the, the platform itself. Because the cast was heavy. And I remember I left, and I cut the cast off. And I remember when I cut the cast off, it, you know, it, it, it had just been broken. I was supposed to be in there. I had scheduled an appointment with the doctor a week after that because it had to do with my work. And we went, I went to the doctor and they did another x-ray and they were saying there's, they don't know what happened. There's no explanation, but the leg was healed. My bone healed, the break, the fracture healed. And because I had just made the claim uh, with the job, it was two weeks before, he said, you got to take this air cast with you though, because you know, lot, there's no way we can explain why this happened. There was a break. It's not there but it's good if you use this. I never used the cast and I was fine after that. I was able to walk. I had no problems with it after that. How many believe that this morning? We know Pastor Gamboa, he hasn't just walked off the street here. He's not a homeless guy here. You know, we know him. 
We know his testimony. So what, what happened? Well, he just had a, came to a conference with a broken leg, got prayed for, and he just got healed. How many believe God can still do that? That this is part of his economy, that he's supernatural. And in a world that's constantly God can't and he won't and, and you shouldn't expect. What is that? We don't know all the details about how or what, 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 what who knows? I don't quite, I, I can't tell you how he created earth in six days, but he did. And he can perform those miracles for us. And a lot of times we have to get past so much unbelief and propaganda from the world and even from the religious world. Say, God, I believe. Well, okay. You're here this morning and you need to get healed. Just stand on your feet. You need anybody here needs healing. Stand on your feet. And we're going to believe God at the conclusion of every Sunday morning. We're going to finish. We're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to exercise our faith. Because I, I, I don't believe the issue really, especially for a church like this that uh, has seen healing and all that, that the issue really is knowledge. It's the, it's the weight of propaganda that's constantly pushing back, whether it's, uh, you know, like we said, talk about science or nature, being told all that. Sometimes just being a Christian for a long time. It was very interesting. The questions it was a great Sunday school last week. Uh, having local church members just ask questions about healing that was a treasure uh and and like well you know how come you know somebody off the street comes in and gets immediately healed and here i am and all the mind games that are associated let's begin with this he is a supernatural god and that has not changed and he still gets involved with the affairs of men put your hand on your body where you need a miracle of healing if it's personal just put it on your stomach and let's agree, amen, let's agree, let's contend. Why quit? Why shy away and back away from this promise? Let's believe God. I want you to pray with me. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over sickness and injury. We forgive everyone who has sinned against us and we release them. We break the power of all infirmity and I speak to my body to be healed. I cast out every spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's agree right now. Father, we agree for your supernatural power. We take authority over every demonic assault, every strategy. We take dominion right now over unbelief. We take dominion over every curse, every witchcraft that would be against your people. You are a supernatural God. There is nothing too hard for you. Uh, we give you praise. Amen. Let's give God praise right now. Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now check yourself. Move it around here. We're going to dismiss the service. We need your testimonies. Amen. Just what Pastor Gamboa did. That's what we need this morning. Amen. The Lord bless you. We're going to start in a few minutes. Hallelujah.